Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSum solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then, through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once-a-year town hall or a company-wide email to share what causes the org supported last year. GiveSum allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC, Follow the Money, Investing with Purpose, a show where we have real conversations with the, with the people who are driving change in our community. Nobody better to have that conversation with than my third time returning guest, Mr. Mark Mitchell. How you doing, Mark? Tyler, doing great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Good to have you on, man. I think, well, I think every time we've, we, we, you've, we've had you on, you've been under a bit of a different banner. So we'll talk about that. You're, <laughs> you're coming in. That's not a good thing or a bad thing. I don't, I don't want to make yeah. that sound smart ass. <laughs> no, really, really, I appreciate uh, how involved you are and how engaged you are with the community from an investing perspective. We're going to kind of dive into that. Totally. But you've recently launched, uh, recently as of the middle of last year, Weave VC, and you're the co-managing partner. So what is mm. Weave all about? What kind of, what, what motivated you to kind of uh, build, uh, to spin this thing up and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, my, you know, my first kind of investing thing that I launched or helped launch was called Red Thread Ventures. And that was basically an angel syndicate. And, you know, we still operate Red Thread today. Red Thread's actually helped companies raise over $7 million in the last two and a half years. Um, we invested in 17 pre-seed companies. Many of those companies started raising follow-on financings. So we started getting like some good metrics in, in that portfolio. And myself and my my two co-founders at Weave that were also helping very closely with Red Thread, Marco and Jeff, we kind of put our heads together and said, hey, like we really want to be be long-term in this VC VC game. And how do we do this in a more sustainable way and build build a career? And so building an actual fund is is a good kind of first step in doing that. You know, there's kind of like two options almost. Hey, join an existing fund that's already raised $100 million or something and join as an associate or senior associate. But, you know, being more entrepreneurial, I kind of wanted to take things in my own hands. And I think Jeffrey and Marco are of a similar mindset. And so we decided to just start our own thing. And so, you know, we VC is kind of the evolution of, of what we were doing with Red Thread. Okay. Um, I, pre- so I appreciate that it's, it's, it was a progressive kind yeah, of step a, one, step it's one. It's kind step of the two, next two. step, right? It's, yep. it's the first real fund, um, our first kind of pool of, of capital that we can use to impact, uh, invest into uh, more companies at, at larger scales. Um, so we're doing you know pre-seed and seed investing out of okay. uh, We Ventures Fund One. Uh, the primary focus is you know Western Canada, so so Manitoba West. Um, that being said, you know we are we are flexible because I think VC is. You know, it, it is more of an, an art than a science. And you kind of, you have to kind of feel things out. Um, so we, we would do deals in Eastern Canada if, if it made sense. 
But, um, you know, because the three of us are boots on the ground in Western Canada, that's primarily where we're going to be focusing. Um, so companies that are raising 500K to kind of like 3 million would be our sweet spot. Okay. And I'm assuming like anything, where you are, where your relationships are, who you yeah. know, it has a huge impact on, like you said, it's more of an art than a science that relies a lot on gut feel and knowing people and trust, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, we're going to get into kind of your thesis and what you're focusing on and a little bit of like what you look for when, when you sit down with a company and they're mm-hmm. interviewing you and you're kind of interviewing them. But give me a little bit, I appreciate like how new you are in this cycle just in time, but I know you've been in the game. What were some of the barriers or how hard is it to start, a, to, to, to start up what you're doing right now? Like what were some of the things that maybe that were trips and falls versus, you know, sure, we need money, but what are all the other things that support the infrastructure mm-hmm. to allow you guys to even do this? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, when even when we were starting our fund, you know, you kind of have very rose colored glasses when you're thinking about <laughs> starting your own fund. And, I appreciate the honesty and, on that, uh, yes, as we all do know, from doing, time to time. <laughs> doing what we were doing before with the Angel Syndicate, it's actually like it's, you know, it's a lot of work because you're raising capital for all these different deals in real time. But in terms of like the legal structure of like what you're using to invest, it's actually very simple. Like okay. we were just using corporations and, you know, people putting money into a corporation and then the corporation was investing. And that's essentially what Red Thread was. It was just this aggregation of all these different corporations that we built to invest into startup companies with with our angel friends. Um, but when you're building a fund, there's a lot more things to consider. Like, you know, you have to think about like tax structures and like, you know, what kind of fund do you want to set up? So most venture capital funds today are like, you know, they're what's called a, a GPLP structure. So a general partnership and then a limited partnership and the actual fund where people with their capital is this limited partnership structure. So it is a, it is a partnership. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big difference. Like there's in our fund structure, there's actually five different entities. And so we have our, our limited partnership fund. We have the general partnership that the three general partners, myself, yep, the kind of the founders, control. founders would all contribute. In, yeah. yeah. And then there's, there's the management company that actually kind of oversees everything. So there's these three entities. And then we have like two other entities that we set up, just basically for, for tax functionality. So, okay. you know, just even thinking through like structures and stuff like this is, this is something that you obviously, you know, I don't, I don't have the, uh, the skill sets to do that. So you have it, to find it sounds like, like a hefty lawyer bill. Um, it is, legal bill yeah, is what it sounds like to me. A, Mark. That's a big barrier, right? Is like, you got to okay. find uh, legal partners. You have to find fund administration partners because when you have your fund up and running, like, you know, there's, there's special tax reporting you need to do for your investors. Um, that has to be very timely and prepared properly. So you have to outsource that typically. So it's a lot of like different, you know, vendors and people that you're talking to. And like for someone who's just starting, like, you know, you, you, there's not a lot of people that you can go to, to kind of get the best advice, especially for a small fund. Um, because once you get to, you know, more scale, like you have like a hundred million dollars or something assets under management, you're not necessarily as worried about like, you know, fifty, hundred thousand dollar legal bills or um, fund administration bills. But when you're just starting and you're only raising $10 million, like really every thousand dollars you spend is, is a thousand dollars less that you can invest into companies. And the purpose for us is investing into companies. Um, so we actually were super fortunate before we even started the fund. I think it was Jeffrey, my partner, he kind of, he heard about this VC lab program. So it's actually this program in Silicon Valley ran by Adeo Resi. So Adeo was like, okay. he was the founder of Founder Institute. So Founder Institute is like a global kind of idea stage accelerator. Um, and Adeo started it like 15 years ago. It's gotten really big. They have chapters in you know every city you can think of around the world. And he started this thing a couple of years ago for the same idea, but for emerging fund managers. And so it was very good timing. We kind of, you, we heard about this. We were like, hey, we really want to you know launch a fund. 
let's just go through this and see kind of what this program is all about. So we went through this program and it was a lot of just good advice on kind of how to, you know, set up our processes and make sure that we followed a good cadence over, you know, this program was about three months, so over three okay. months nice. to get our fund actually to a place where we did a first close and started investing within that time frame. So it was like, you know, this week you're setting up your pitch deck. This week you're thinking about your thesis. This week we're thinking about, you know, how to structure your fund based on like where you are geographically. Because every single country, there's different, you know, structures and setups you want to use based on the, the tax, you know, the tax regulations in that country, um, you know, cost structures, all that kind of stuff. So Canada is very, you know, very specific. So we got, we actually got really good advice through VC Lab. So you know, super appreciative of what those guys did. And, um, you know, they've actually and how did, Just helped. curious, how did you get into VC Labs? Is it a pay to play or did you like literally no, so, submit and get accepted? Know, how did that work? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we, we did have to apply, like it was a very competitive application process, but okay. they actually are, are accepting a lot of funds around the world. And it's not a pay program. Like it's actually the, the program itself is free. Um, but what they're building is they want to build a pool of emerging fund managers to then invest into so they're actually building like a funds of funds and they want to start investing. They're, bu- they're building their funnel, managers. which I appreciate. Yeah, that. they're yeah, building yeah. their funnel through this program. Yeah. Um, and we also actually hire them after the program to help us with fund administration. So that's the other service they're doing is they're uh, doing. Like okay, a really I, I appreciate that business model. And ultimately, at the end yeah. of the day, they get access to a bigger, bigger a pool of deal flow. Totally. Yeah, they're doing a lightweight fund administration model, which is super helpful hmm. for emerging managers. Because like I said there, it's, you know, that's typically it's almost cost prohibitive for new managers. I was going to ask that, like, you know, you mentioned 10 million. Does that, does that kind of put 10 million as the floor of it's below that the numbers just don't make sense? Um, I wouldn't say it like doesn't necessarily make sense, but in terms of like building a true diversified portfolio where you're putting enough skin into each deal, 10 million is, is a kind of a good number. Mm, okay. Um, Cause you mentioned that they're trying to raise 500 to three. You've yeah. got less than 10. You can erode that pretty quick and not have enough diversity in your fund. Right. Yeah. And you want to also think about like, you know, if you're, if you're an eight, and this is the, another big difference I, I learned from kind of what we were doing with red thread versus weave is, you know, when we're doing our red thread investments, you're kind of measuring the success of that investment against itself. So what I mean by that is okay. if, yeah. if the company's like, you know, putting in a hundred thousand dollar check and the company's valued at five, five million dollars and they get up to a hundred million dollars and they sell, it's like, oh, wow, that's a 20 X. I just 20 X my 20 X, my hundred thousand dollars. It's a really yeah. good return. Um, but then when you're doing a fund, everything is measured against like the funds ROI. Right. So if we have 10 million, a $10 million fund, everything is measured against, we need to return multiples on $10 million. So if we put a hundred thousand dollars into a company and it gets a 20 X, it's great. Like, you know, as an individual, but it's a pretty small deal. chip away at the 10 million. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's oh, okay. The, I, pers- I appreciate that too. makes total. Yeah. Just what are you, what are you comparing it against itself yeah. or the greater, the greater number? Exactly. How many companies do you guys have in the fund so far? So we have five. Nice. Yeah. Five companies. And I always like to ask this, how many did you look at to get the five? So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like we, we probably see about 80 to a hundred companies a month. Wow. That's um, a real, that's a real number, man. Just volume to keep all that yeah. sorted out. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not all like inbound necessarily. Like we're going to a lot of events. We're getting yeah. intros. We have our application on our website where, you know, we're, we're close to a lot of other kind of angel groups and, and accelerator programs. So we see a lot of their deal flow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of companies. And from your experience, even with Red Thread to now in Western Canada, are you? See, is there more out there? Like, what's the trend? Like, where, you know, where yeah. it was three years ago versus where it is now? Mm-hmm. 
No, that's a really good question. I do think it's it's trending upwards for sure, okay. Um, okay. especially in places like Edmonton and, and like Saskatchewan. Um, mm-hmm. I think Calgary is you know a couple of years ahead for sure of where where Edmonton is. Um, but I am seeing a lot more in Edmonton. You know, there's programs here like Plug and Play and 500 Global yep. and Alberta Catalyzer, which Edmonton Unlimited is is helping out with. So there's a lot more tech companies being created, and and you know, similar in, in Saskatchewan. Like we actually have companies. So one of our companies is in Saskatoon. One of our companies is in Edmonton. We have two in Vancouver, and then we do have one in Ontario as well. Oh, interesting. So none, none in Calgary currently. Not that that's the Not score, yet, but, but I'm we, just curious. We, yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking at a lot right now. Okay. Um, and we'll, I'll get into the investor side, but let's let's beat up the 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 the, the companies for a minute. What do you what do you out of that eighty to hundred? Are you what are, what are you finding? And you know, I'm always curious. Is like you know, if there's if there's ten good ones, do those ten good ones look good to all the different uh, funds out there, or is it really our thesis drives us mm-hmm. at these types of companies versus you know someone that you know is our competitor, which we also sit aside. We yeah. know they might invest in something that we don't. Which I've yeah. often heard that in Western Canada specifically, we're still at a collaborative phase because there's enough mm-hmm. people interested in enough difference. <laughs> we're not yeah. all chasing the same ones. Which maybe you get up to Series B, it's a, it's kind of a different game. It is more competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So I would say you know there's for us like we are we are really niching into like very early stage okay. from like a venture capital perspective okay. um so we do have kind of our, our sweet spots we're looking for like you know four to seven million dollar post money valuations because because we're really trying to help accelerate those companies to get to another round of financing quickly so then obviously like you know they can be in a better situation have more capital at hand but it, we can also show our investors that we're making returns in like a pretty timely manner at least on paper and that's that's really what you have to do as an early fund manager to to actually um, validate that you can do the job well enough to raise another fund. Got You got You need well. Not, nothing validates like wins, right? <laughs> you need you need that early traction. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. For sure. And that's you're playing arguably a little bit higher risk with the potential for a little for higher reward because yeah. you know one to a thousand is different than maybe a thousand to, to fifteen hundred <laughs> in terms yeah. of just you know where you're going from if these are if these companies. So most of these companies you run into are they fairly early in their existence or are they just still early in their stage? But maybe you know the five year overnight success stories. What are you seeing in terms of a balance? It's, I think they're actually more, more so early in their existence. So okay. they're typically, they've only been around for like two or three years. Even like some of our, some of our companies okay, cool. have only been around for like one and a half years. Okay. Um, I mean, we have one company that they raised a pre-seed round after only being incorporated for like three months because the, the business model started working really quickly and nice. that doesn't happen often, but I would say average right. is probably like, you know, we see companies when they've been alive for like two to three years. Okay. And for the stage that you're at, you know, being pre-seed and seed, and this is, I love this world because these words can mean so many different things, kind of who you talk to, right? It's one of the challenges. Um, Product market fit, pre-product market fit, pre-revenue, post-revenue, small revenue, one client, five clients. Mm -hmm. What do you see uh, in terms of the sweet spot where the ones you're like, okay, you've got enough here that I think there's something going on, plus like a little bit of art science, like you said. But where are they with some of the kind of more common KPIs around? We have clients, we don't. We have revenue, we don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We're definitely biased towards post-revenue. Like we've never done any deals that were pre-revenue. And I think- You know, that might have to do with the fact that it's the market conditions right now. Like it is, it is harder to raise capital. Valuations are being pushed down even at mm. really early stage. Um, so, you know, if we can find companies that are kind of within our, you know, valuation range that we look for that are, you know, 
great teams building something that solves a real problem and they have some early signs of product market fit they have some paying clients they're starting to make okay. recurring monthly revenue like that's kind of the the golden goose that we're looking for and like we can we can do that because if you think about like how vcs invest like if you're seeing like 100 companies a month and you're only investing maybe like in one every like six weeks so one out of like 150 that you're seeing you can you can like you can be patient until you find the one that like really feels great what kind of pressure just to just to pull on that one i want to spin back around to some of the things you look at when you're doing that evaluation but what's that pressure for you to i've raised the dollars and we'll get into that side here in a second versus we've got to get this in play like there is some pressure right like you can't just sit on you know you take i'm an lp you take my money and yeah. six months later and you're like no we're still waiting for the perfect one i'm like come on guys like we need to get this moving <laughs> what's the balance there so far and I know you guys are yeah. fairly early in but i assume that that's a teeter-totter that's moving mm. all the time <laughs> yeah so it's it's um you know, there's a couple ways to think about it. Like what, I guess, I guess a really practical way to think about it is actually like when you set up a, a fund, like the way that we did and, and like most venture firms um, in Canada would, this mm -hmm. kind of GPLP structure where you have basically yeah. what's called a limited partner agreement that kind of governs the relationship between the investors and like how the, the general partners and how you're going to operate the fund. There's typically actually like it's, it's called an investment period. So within, you know, I think you've got, for, you've got for, a set for, runway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for, you know, in 36 months, like we're supposed to deploy all the money. So okay. like, you know, first three years of the fund. Um, so th I've heard so it's between uh, often 24 to 36 months. So that, yeah, that's what, okay. yeah, for, for sure. And so the reason that's important is because like, you know, we kind of have been telling, and this is what we want to do is we want to build a portfolio of around 25 companies, um, give or take. So if you kind of, you know, think about 36 months, 25 companies, <laughs> you know, you're getting about yeah. like one every like month and a bit. Right. Um, so that's kind of the cadence that we're looking for. And, and it doesn't okay. necessarily have to be like exactly that. Um, but that's, that's actually, but it gives you some, it gives you some guardrails of what you need to think yeah. about. Like you might have two in one cycle and the other, next cycle might take a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, this is where you need to be. And your yeah. goal is, is over, uh, you know, $10 million fund over 25 companies deployed over 36 months. And what's your timeline for the fund? Is it a 10 year timeline? It's a 10 year fund. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing to think about too, that's really like interesting. And like, you don't usually think about this, um, I guess outside looking in, um, but when you think about like kind of VC math, you know, $10 million fund, it's not $10 million that you have to invest in the companies because you have to think about actually the cost structure of the fund. Yes. Of so course. what are the, the fees? Like, you know, fees are typically 2% annually from the AUM, the total assets under management. Yep. So 2% of $10 million. So, to, is, so basically to the cost to run the thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So 2% of $10 million is $200,000 annually times 10 years, the fund mm. life cycle. That's $2 million. So right there, that's $2 million off the 10 million. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You have I appreciate, I just invest. appreciate VC math. Like, let's do the yeah. math that actually, yeah. And then, because you're right, it's easy to kind of say a number and it's not representing yeah. the, the, the whole truth, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And, and then you have to think mm -hmm. about, okay, like, you know, what's our strategy for follow on investments? So if we want to build a 25 company portfolio, like we're, you know, some of these companies are going to raise capital fast. Like we want to, you know, we want to yeah. be able to support our winners as best we can. Um, so we are probably going to leave like 20% of the funds for follow on investing. So that also digs into that Which in an ideal world. Point. That's exactly how it'll go because you picked winners. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, you know, really you're down to mm. like 6 million and change to actually, mm, thanks. I appreciate checks. that. Thanks for, uh, I appreciate that perspective. Cause you're right. It's yeah. easy just to flip a number and go, wait a second. What does that number actually represent? And mm. then the other, the other side of that is like, remember that $8 million that you have to invest. 
out of the 10, you're still measured against the performance on $10 million. Yes. <laughs> so you only have $8 million to invest, but you actually measured against the performance of $10 million. Mm. That is good VC math. Thank you for breaking that so, down for me. <laughs> yeah, these are yeah, little yeah. things that I, I didn't fully like grasp until yeah. I got in the driver's seat and, and really looked at the numbers. And, was like, and now okay, well, it's well. good to know what you're being held accountable. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, exactly. good to, it's good to know what your KPIs are before you get into the, yeah. get out of the, get out of the gate. Um, so spinning back to companies that you look at and, you know, early stage, definitely some revenue, some early real signs of product market fit. Clearly a couple customers were starting to get into, um, an MRR. How do you evaluate against that? Cause it's still a little bit of, I don't, not saying smoke and mirrors like that somebody's being misrepresenting, but there's more variables than there are constants. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your, your valuation process without giving away your secret sauce, but what are some of the things that like, yeah, these are, these are what we contribute into our multiples and how we actually arrive at a number in terms of like the valuation that a company is raising out. Like if, yeah, totally. Sense. Like if they're like, Hey, we're doing this, yeah. we've got this MRR, we've got two, two clients, we've been in business. Yeah. We've got founders that have like, have done this before versus mm -hmm. like net new. Um, you yeah. understand the market there. Maybe they're selling widgets to this group and you're like, wow, I know that that group is going to need more widgets or, or, you know, yeah. reoccurring, reoccurring widgets. Um, yeah. sometimes widgets are finite. So just the, 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 the mythical magic formula of how you arrive that, okay, 500 makes sense. And it represents this portion of this company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So it's the, what the stage that we invest is is super early. So typically these valuations that founders are raising money on, like they are very subjective. Okay. But the way that we think about it is we know it's subjective, but we're kind of measuring against all the other companies that we're seeing mm, like that okay. month or that. So like a real peer to peer style perspective. Yeah. And then, you know, based which on can also be based on region too, right? Like that evaluation yeah, totally. in, in California might be very different than evaluation yeah. in Saskatoon for a company yeah. doing a similar thing, just as for lack of better. For sure. Like, so kind of okay. measured against your, you know, your, your peers, your cohort of companies that have mm. been around for a similar time frame that have like similar kind of revenue traction, you know, that have, that have gotten kind of similar stage of product market fit. That's kind of how we're benchmarking valuations. Okay. Um, so it is like, it is quite subjective. Um, and we just, we, we want to be like pretty, you know, disciplined in time, terms of our approach, because we know that like, if we can find companies that are, that are raising at reasonable valuations, we can put, you know, enough money at work in those, in those investments. We think there's a good, a good opportunity for those companies to raise more money in like a relatively mm -hmm. short amount of time. And yeah. that's how we then can, you know, show our investors that we actually like are, are making, are making good initial traction with, with the fund. Um, so that's super important for us to stay disciplined on that. How do you get those comparatives? Is, is it for deals that have been done? Cause obviously that information is not housed anywhere in kind of a universal database. That's, yeah. Good question. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of just our internal metrics with companies that okay. we're seeing. Okay. Um, and, and obviously like you want to think about companies, there's some companies that come to you and you're like, well, you're never going to raise money on this valuation. So we're not going <laughs> to necessarily consider that, but ones that, you know, we've done or that we know are going to get some legs, um, that we know other people have done. Like we're just always kind of comparing to like peer groups and cohorts of companies. Okay. And do you find, and we touched on this earlier, but is, is, is the sector collaborative in that way? Are you able to call up other fund managers? Go, hey, what are you seeing mm -hmm. here? I saw this. What's that? Like, what what optics do you have? Or hey, I've got an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you want to get in on this with me. I've heard that that's still very strong because we have a new, especially in the pre seed seed round. Is yeah. that your experience as well? Yeah, hundred okay. percent. Like you know, especially I think that's I think great, it, and, and I've heard that a few times. I just always want to keep validating yeah, that it's ideally totally. true. You really yeah. hit the nail on the head too, though. It's like it is. I think it is because a the ecosystem, you know, Western Canada is still pretty early. Yeah. Um, but B, it's because we are investing at a very early stage. 
Okay. So there, there isn't a shortage of opportunities and every, every investor is going to have kind of their unique way of evaluating these companies and like, you know, figuring out what they really want to put money into. Um, so when we do have a deal that, that we're doing and we're excited about, you know, I'm phoning like every investor I can, I can have on my Rolodex and trying to, you know, get them excited about the deal. Like that's one of the things we really help companies with is if we're investing and, you know, there's still like half the round left to raise, we're making sure that that money gets filled. Um, of course. And I'm assuming you're getting those phone calls as well. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we were cruising over Alberta or Western Canada in our private jet and we're looking down and we go, wow, you know, there looks like there's a shortage of opportunities or it looks like there's an abundance of opportunities and a shortage of money. There's an abundance of investors, not a place to what, what call, what would you make on your 30,000 foot private jet view right now? <laughs> yeah, I would say there's a lot of innovation and there's a lot of people that are, that are building interesting things. Um, okay. There is still, I do feel like a shortage of kind of conviction at early stage investing. Um, okay. So there's yeah, a that's a nice way to that, a shortage of conviction. Yeah, that's, a, that's your quote of the know, day, Mark. I like that. <laughs> there's there's people with a lot of money, right? But it's like, how do you you kind of like get that education and like just figure yeah, out yeah. Like, a shortage of know, conviction? What, that's what great. percentage like of that. your portfolio you don't want to put to work at this stage? Um, there's not a lot of like professional uh, VCs like ourselves that actually are investing at this this early stage. Like yeah. there's just a handful really in Western Canada. Um, so that's something like even in Edmonton, you know, there's there's like a three firms basically. Um, and Edmonton has a million people. So that's, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Cause so off, like, you, so Austin, Texas has a million people and you know, you, yeah. <laughs> totally. yeah. <laughs> when, yeah, when you look at that 80 to hundred deals you're seeing per month, uh, so you know, the over the, 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 the high level comment is that a shortage of conviction. There isn't a lack of people. There isn't a lack of funds, but the conviction, the comfort, the expertise, the mm-hmm. familiarity with this space of seed pre-seed is still, like you said, is early stages in Western Canada. Which it, which yeah. it is. Like that, and I think we're moving in the right direction, but For sure. you know we're you know we're kind of ten years late to a twenty year party, or you know I've heard people <laughs> say say that that way, whatever that whatever. However you want to however you want to interpret that. Have valuations come down, adjusted, uh, moved with the market? Or like we all you know, if you watch the news, you can't uh, can't miss some of the yeah. things that have happened <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, in the last even couple weeks, uh, literally. Yeah. Has that? Have you seen a ripple effect from that? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's, I assume yes. You know, <laughs> Even at the pre-seed and seed seed stage, like our our kind of you know benchmarks for what we look for for like a reasonable valuation, you know, for a company that has a certain amount of revenue and like has only been around for a couple of years, it's it's adjusted. I would say like twenty five, thirty percent, even over the last like f- four or five months. Um, so it's 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 even come down to this early stage, which just shows you like kind of how messed up things were in like twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah, fair, yeah, right? drunken, sail- drunken sailors. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to be uh, trite about it, but it sounds like as long as that that company can still get enough funds to get to the next phase, it kind of sets everybody up for a little more success, doesn't it? Yeah. Like you don't get too ahead of your skis. You're not getting this overvaluation. You don't have to do a down round. You don't do any of those things that can be catastrophic yeah. for a company's growth cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, you know, it's really setting up the foundations of success at the earliest stages of your companies. And that's what, you know, any, any VC who's really like critically evaluating a business at this stage, like that's what they're looking for. They want that. They don't want there to be any potential, like things that you could control that you haven't controlled. 
that could like mess because up there's the so many things the you are never years. going to be able to control exactly. let's control the, what we can exactly. there's a little there's a fable in there somewhere control what you can and be okay with what you can't yeah uh, but i heard i've had a lot of guests on the show early in the early conversations i had on follow the money and there was like man canadian companies like canadian investors really set up companies to fail at a later stage because they didn't do the deal properly in the first place i had a handful mm. of guests were like we got to stop with this beating up the company because you're in the power position as the investor and you put a deal mm. together that actually screws them for the second yeah. and third round and you didn't even realize like it's burying the landmine not even realizing you're or not even caring that you were burying it yeah. but that's just lack of sophistication and kind of early stages of you know i'm an investor i'm going to try to minimize my risk but i don't want to yeah. do it at compromising the company i invested in's even ability to grow because i kind of hurt myself yeah. in the long run right <laughs> totally um so you're going out there you know uh, shortage of conviction part of your job is convincing lps to invest in your fund so maybe they don't have to go and do the vetting they don't have to meet with the 80 to 100 they don't have to have that skill set but they want to put a percentage of their portfolio into Mm -hmm. this space or to this sector how are those conversations going yeah i mean they're they're really good conversations there's a lot of people that are interested in this asset class but it just takes time to get people comfortable with allocating funds to it. And then also like, you know, why are you, Mark, the right person to, to allocate course. this portion? Do you get, how many times do you get right? asked why, why weave? Why, why should, why 100%. should I invest in you? I'm sure you 100%. get invested that every time. Yeah, all the time, right? It just, just like when we're, you know, when we're evaluating a founder, it's like, you know, why is your team the right team to yeah, attack totally, this problem? Totally, yeah, yeah. Right. Totally. So that's an interesting thing, right? When you're raising a fund is like, you're, you're evaluating all these entrepreneurs, but at the end of the day, like you're also being evaluated exactly the same it's way. Good to remember that. I think it's by good to, entrepreneurs yeah. who have already made a lot of money. So it's like, it's very, it's very interesting. So what's your answer to that question? I'm totally putting you on the spot, but I'm assuming yeah, that. So no, if someone says why, I, why, why you and why, and why weave, what are some of the yeah, things that you guys put out there? Mm. I, I think just the, the fact that we are investing you know, earlier than some of the other larger funds in Canada. Okay. Um, you know, we are writing meaningful checks at the pre-seed stage. And then we have we have the network and the collaborative ecosystem to make sure that our companies, you know, get to a next round of financing kind of as as efficiently and as quickly as possible. And for their current round of financing that we invest into, like we're doing everything we possibly can to make sure that round gets filled. Mm, um, okay. And they're really set up for success. So probably kind of a stereotypical answer, but no, I appreciate it. And um, as your track record grows sooner, the, the proof becomes the, well, here, let me show you some examples. Yeah. That early stage of any, like it's the classic. Well, if I don't get the job, how do I get experience? If I don't have experience, how do I get the yes. job sooner or later? You've got to build that track, build that track record. And I appreciate yes. you guys are on that journey. That's why I was excited to have exactly. you on and kind of chat about it and being able to, you know, you and I have known each other now for a couple of years, you know, yeah. two episodes uh, for anyone looking, I think episode, uh, 168 and 222, just, just yep. Google, uh, collisions and Mark Mitchell and, and they'll come out. <laughs> Uh, I should go back and compare notes to see if we're see if you and I are both consistent with our storytelling. Yeah. Uh, I would assume we're just evolving. Uh, as you that network you mentioned, like how critical mm. is that? So you companies need money, but they also need a lot of guidance. They need introductions. They need advice. They need support. Yeah. You have a technical founder who's now all of a sudden got a team of twenty and goes, "Holy shit, I don't know how to do HR, or I don't know how to do payroll." Like, how much of a support network do you put in, or do you are, do you make available to help these companies, whether they need it or whether you know they need it, or is it more here's the money and we're going to check in once a quarter? Like, what does that mm. look like, and in terms of not handholding but support? And yeah. again, as anyone who's built a company. There, yeah. You have so many blind spots, you don't even know they're blind spots, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, and I think it's 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 a it's a very nuanced answer 
because at the end of the day, like we are a small fund with limited resources. So there's only so much we, we can do. But the flip side of that is that, you know, because we're, we're a small fund, we're really trying to build our track record and our credibility. Like we will do everything we possibly can. Yeah, you guys are all in, right? <laughs> and I we know you, you're, you're, like, you're all in. Yeah, 100%. It's like we're, if we invest in you, we are partners for a long time. You yeah, know, yeah. We, we set up a WhatsApp group with you. We talk all the time. We're on the phone. Hey, I need an introduction to this investor. Okay, like I don't know them, but we're going to find a way to get to know them and introduce you. Nice. Or, okay. you know, right. I need an introduction to a, a, a good CFO. Hey, I'm, I'm putting you into my CFO network. We're finding you in a, a you know, CFO that makes sense. Like a, everything you can think of um, that the founders will need support with. If they ask us, like we're all in to help them. Um, we just, we're just still like building that though. Right. Because of we course. are small, yeah. but it's really network like, takes a lifetime to build. Right. It's, <laughs> it's hustle at this stage. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Never, never undervalue the, never devalue the hustle. Right. Yeah. I find over the last bunch of years, sometimes that, that working hard has been shunned. That's incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> that is completely yeah. a false narrative that's been sold out there. Like, Oh, totally. well, you should just be able to coast along. Well, then you'll get coast along results in my yeah. opinion. Um, thinking about, you know, kind of that building that network and, and growing it and supporting how much these, these founders, how much for you is who they are as individuals? Are they open for guidance? Mm-hmm. Are they not? Do they have, uh, do they have an ego the size of a house, which can be motivating, but also can, can, can create challenges. Like how much for you is just the human side? Cause at that point you're really, you're always investing in people, but at this yeah. point the idea is almost secondary to the team or the leader mm-hmm. that's going to execute on it. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't, don't want to say it's everything, but it's almost everything. Like it, yeah. it is a, a huge part of like how we can make our decision. It's like, if we can't get past kind of the team and like, you know, the individual's, you know, skill sets and their contribution to the overall project and their background and their unique kind of view on the market opportunity. Like if we can't get past that, it's, it's like everything else is almost a non-starter. <laughs> like it doesn't almost really matter. Cause we have, we're, we're, we're partnering with this company. Like we're putting our name behind them. We're opening up our network we're introducing them to everyone we can to help, you know, make sure that they succeed. So if we can't get past the team and we see a red flag there, it's like, we know that we can't do our job properly. Yeah. And the, and, and the odds of that changing or being able to change that is often slim. Yes. Do you notice about prevalent in the startups you're seeing in Alberta right now or Western Canada, just in general, more technically oriented founders, obviously so much is technology driven now. And mm-hmm. I imagine, I would imagine most of these companies have some type of unique technology or solution to a problem using tech. Yeah. Uh, the technical founder versus the people founder versus the financially savvy founder. Is it a little more weighted on the technical side? I'm, I'm guessing that might be the case, mm. but I'd, I'd rather ask. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I think if you were to ask me a couple of years ago, like I might've said, yes, like it's for sure weighted on okay. kind of deep tech and, and hardware and, you know, Edmonton's like pretty well known for, for machine learning and artificial yeah. intelligence and even recently like biotech and pharmaceuticals and stuff. So I would have said that, but actually in the last year or so, I've seen a lot more companies that are building like pretty asset light software solutions where okay. the founder is, is he understands the tech, but he's, he's managed to you know find or partner with a really great CTO who mm-hmm. is like building the tech and they kind of get the product off the ground really fast and they start selling and they start validating it. And the founder's skill set is really like business and relationships. Um, I'm not That's necessarily biased towards one or the other. Yeah. Uh, from an investment lens, like our it's cool to is, see that you're seeing a bit of it's. It's cool to hear yeah. that you're seeing a bit of a change of, uh, like the subject matter expert, 
that then source the tech to solve the problem yes. that they really understood yeah. versus I've got amazing tech. Now I need to go find a problem to solve. Yeah. And I think there's, there's both sides and, yeah. and I don't want to oversimplify it by saying low code, no code and mm. technology is becoming so much, it's becoming so much more modular. I'm, yes. I've heard from a few people that it's going more that it's creating more of a balance. I'm not saying it's going one way or the other. It's coming back more into balance, which I think is, I think is great mm. for the, for the problems that are going to get solved. Mm. 100%. Yeah. And I wouldn't mm. say like they source the tech necessarily. It's more like they, they've, they've partnered with someone who is yeah, kind of a, the a other true half, collaboration, right? The other yeah. half of the vision. Um, mm. And there is ah, that like, that's a nice balance. way to say it. The other, who's the yeah. other half of the, yeah, yeah. Got the, there's a good balance between like, you know, business savvy relationship expertise and, you know, technical founder that can like build the product and they can get something off the ground quickly and start iterating, making sure there's validation and then like get, get something to market as fast as possible. Well, and just from a human capital perspective, those are often different skill sets. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just like, you know, fundamentally we're, we're bent a little bit one way or the other way and it does make a difference. So interesting yeah. to hear that, you know, a couple of years ago you maybe would have said an easy yes, but yeah. now seeing more of a balance of, of the two. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. So when it comes to Alberta, again, I keep camping out in Alberta, but Western Canada, for sure. I'm, 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 I'm biased to Calgary and Alberta, but I, I'm all in on Western Canada. Uh, I was, if you're going to wave the magic wand when it comes to this, is it more investors? Is it more, you know, a little bit more conviction on the investors and more money? Sounds like we're good on, like, not good. There can always be more ideas. But what, what magic wand would you wave that would kind of, like, you know, move the whole industry forward as, as a whole? I would say, like, yeah, like more, you know, more people with large pools of disposable capital that they're looking, or sorry, investable capital. Yeah, that they're interested um, to play in this space with. Yeah, mm -hmm. and just like more understanding of kind of how this asset class could possibly impact your your total portfolio returns. Um, and uh, yeah, just a little more conviction, you know, especially even from like some of the some of the institutions out there, right? Like just more understanding of kind of emerging funds and like emerging ventures. Um, because in the U.S., like there is a lot of capital that actually goes into these like emerging fund managers mm. uh, from institutions where there isn't as much in Canada. But I think okay. it, we are like going in that direction, though. But it does like anything else. It just it does take time for sure. Right. Are you seeing south of the border coming into our market? Like, hey, we're already comfortable with this with this tier of investment. And well, yeah. it sounds like you guys got a lot of good stuff going on here. We're curious. Just because whenever there's a saturated market, people will expand out, right? They'll go and explore yeah. other new, ter new, new territories. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like we're seeing a lot of companies, even like some of the companies in our portfolio, we've we invested in early and like, you know, they're doing another round and it's quite a bit of money and they are going south of the border and they're getting success. Okay. Um, and that's... I, I think that's a, actually a good thing because it shows that they're building like globally businesses with global potential. Right? It feels very um, validating to me. Like that's a totally. checkbox for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, also slightly a little bit of like, do they have to, like, did they have to go? And I've had a few people yeah, on the show. Like, like, we we couldn't raise money here. We had to right? go, right? We had to go because yeah. no one would even talk to us. Wouldn't return our call. But and that happens, day, I think, between Calgary and Toronto sometimes or between uh, Western Canada and, yeah. and Central Canada. Yeah. 100%. At the end of the day, like you want, you want companies to, if, if, if you're going to be in an early investor in a business, like you want that business to be a global company. Yeah, That's yeah. what you, we're in. We're investing in early companies in Western Canada that have the potential to be global businesses. So a good way to get that exposure <laughs> yeah. is to have partners on your cap table that are global investment brands. And we don't have a ton of those yet in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, that's something to think about. Part of the opportunity. Yeah. And are you seeing in 
with some of those international investments and your cap table starts to get a little weight in the US, is there a pull or there's a draw for some of these companies to then leave Western Canada and go to some of these more you know dense centers mm. or maybe where yeah. what they're building is actually more at home in a Chicago or in a you know Silicon Valley, just to pick an easy yeah. one? Mm. I can see how there could be that allure to like a founder. Um, but I do think like Western Canada just offers a really good lifestyle for entrepreneurs. Mm especially in today's day and age where you, you you can build a global business from anywhere in the world as you and i talk between calgary and edmonton like you were, like you were yeah. across the hall it makes no like, difference you know, right? i'm talking to people in toronto all the time i'm talking to people in the u.s yeah. like it, it doesn't really matter physically where you are um you know i think i will i will thank covid for that <laughs> yeah for sure like um you know if you're, if you're maybe developing some kind of like hardware or really deep tech yeah like perhaps there's like manufacturing things you need to think about. Like you want to be close to like where you're building your product and maybe that's not, not yeah, depending on what, here. depending on what it is. Um, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I do think like for software companies, especially like you can, I mean, like we have a company in our portfolio that's they're building like the most deep tech thing, hardware thing ever. It's, it's, they're building satellites. It's, it's Wyvern and they're doing it in Edmonton. Yeah. So it, you can do it, which is amazing. So, the aerospace industry in Alberta is also very under downplayed. People don't realize how yeah. much is actually going on here. I had a, a guy on the other day talking about um, just mapping and GIS and all the different things. Yeah. He's like, Alberta is a hu- like Western Canada is a hub for this, but you just totally. never hear about it. Like biotech in Calgary or DeepMind yeah. and Amy and what they're doing and what, like what's, yeah. ha- what, what's happened in Edmonton over the years that forever, like forever was on nobody's radar. <laughs> yeah. Like Alberta, we're too, we're too sneaky. We do cool stuff and don't tell anybody about it. But anyway, that's why I do this. Yeah. So I can have these conversations. <laughs> exactly. was my question. Yeah. Uh, Mark really appreciate it. Thanks for going into the weeds today. Like, uh, you know, uh, Short on conviction. We did VC math. You had a couple good. You had some good talking points, man. This is good. You're, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. You're, this happens when you're a third guest. You really get your you get your lingo down. You get you get your uh, you know quotable quotes by Mark. <laughs> totally. And I I really appreciate the conversation, Tyler. And I'm like I'm happy to come back anytime and and share. Well, dude, you're on your way sure. to the five timers club, man. You only got two more to go, so it's it's pretty much it's I, in the books now. Hey, we just don't I just don't know when those, it's gonna happen. I want one of those plaques. Absolutely, plaques. they're becoming coveted. I'm getting people like, hey, Dan, aren't I at three or four? How do I get to five? That's why it's called the five timers club. It's very exclusive yeah. the benefits i can't even tell you it's yeah, like awesome. platinum it's like platinum on air canada <laughs> <laughs> mark what's the best way for people to uh to get a hold of you to find out more about weave to kind of get into a conversation with you whether investors or as companies yeah no absolutely i think the best way like to reach me personally is just send me an email mark at weavevc.com nice super mm-hmm. simple um you know happy to connect on linkedin i i'm not the best at responding to messages on linkedin um but i do i do try to get to them but i think email is typically the best and then for our for our fund, um, we we have a pretty good website that we that we made. Um, so founders like we have a we have a founder portal, so you can go in in there, you can fill your your application, you can send me an email after and say, hey, I'm in your system, and you know we'll do our best to get back to you within. 48 to kind of 72 hours of your application and nice. then right on, man. we have our blog we have our monthly newsletter we have monthly um you know webinars that we do with our founders as well um so there's a lot of kind of touch points that we're, we're putting out there to make sure that everyone knows exactly what we're up to yeah i'm seeing you guys i'm starting to see you guys a little bit more on linkedin and kind of doing more events and holding webinars yeah. and, which i really appreciate because that stuff is incredibly time consuming for anyone who do, who does it but it's valuable yeah. it's the best way you know totally. when you're when you're building your brand based on value and yeah. telling stories and adding to the community it's it, it's not easy but it's but it is worth it and like you said everything is you got to think about everything on a longer term scale like totally mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Those the the twenty year overnight successes that we all run into. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, always, always enjoy our conversations. Love supporting what you're doing and love the impact you're having in our ecosystem out here. So thanks, man. And it was uh, good to connect again. Likewise, Tyler. Thank you so much.